Well, we're going to turn to God's Word now, and um, we have a, a, an amazing portion of Scripture. It's all amazing, really, but um, we got one here, and I've got um, written in the margin of mine a health warning. And um, I think it's pretty real, too, and we need to uh, ad- address that. And this is all about the Lord's Supper, which we're going to uh, celebrate in, in a moment. But this is from 1 Corinthians chapter 11, verses 17 through to 33. In the following directives, I have no praise for you, for your meetings do more harm than good. In the first place, I hear that when you come together as a church, there are divisions among you. And to some extent, I believe it. No doubt there have to be differences among you to show which of you have God's approval. When you come together, it's not the Lord's Supper you eat. For as you eat, each of you goes ahead without waiting for anybody else. One remains hungry, another gets drunk. Don't you have homes to eat and drink in? Or do you despise the church of God and humiliate those who have nothing? What shall I say to you? Shall I praise you for this? Certainly not. For I received from the Lord what I passed on to you. The Lord Jesus, on the night he was betrayed, took bread. And when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, This is my body which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same way, after supper, he took the cup, saying, The cup, this cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this whenever you drink it in remembrance of me. For whenever you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. Therefore, one of the big therefores of the Bible, whoever eats the bread or drinks the cup of the Lord in an unworthy manner will be guilty of sinning against the body and blood of the Lord. A man ought to examine himself before he eats of the bread and drinks of the cup. For anyone who eats and drinks without recognizing the body of the Lord eats and drinks judgment on himself. That is why many among you are weak and sick and a number of you have fallen asleep. But if we judge ourselves, we will not come under judgment. When we are judged by the Lord, we are being disciplined so that we will not be condemned with the world. So then, my brothers and sisters, when you come together to eat, wait for each other. This is the word of the Lord. Now, Bev's going to join us and bring us a message that God's laid on her heart concerning this word. So I'm just going to pray for Bev, if I could. I'd love to do that. Father God, we just pray that uh, you'll bless each one of us from your word. But I pray a very special blessing over Bev at this time, Lord, as she brings that word to us. Just anoint that word to us, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 Thank you, Ian. Morning, church. Good morning to you online. Where is the camera for the ones online? (laughs) Thank you for joining us here in person and online. It's so great to be in the house of the Lord. Where else would you be on a Sunday morning? I'm particularly touched. I was actually emotional when we were worshiping. With joy and excitement of seeing how so many people here today. It's been tough, it's been challenging. Not only lockdown, but everything else that's going on in the life of church. But it's great to see so many people here this morning, church. Amen? Amen. It's great to see that we are still going together in unison, as a body of Christ, pursuing the cause of Christ. Amen? Amen. 
Thank you so much for the people that pray for me. And I pray for you too. And my prayer is that we will all keep on pressing into Jesus. And that we will all continue to run our race and persevere until the end. That none of us will be lost. That none of us will fall on the wayside. But that we will continue pursuing Christ. Amen? Amen. That's a clap for God, not for me. All glory to God. Amen? (laughs) Um, I'm here to teach this morning. Is that okay, church? Not to preach, but to teach. God help me to do that. (laughs) If you've been praying for me not to speak for too long today, your prayers have been heard. (laughs) Because I'm not going to speak for too long today. I do appreciate that people have things to do, places to go to after church. And if you left your dinner in the slow cooker, it's not going to burn today. It's going to be all right. (laughs) Thank you, Ian, for that um, beautiful Bible reading. So when um, a teacher teaches, he or she always has questions for the students. Is that right? So is that okay if I have questions for you this morning, church? I'm not expecting you to answer me, by the way, the questions that I ask. But there are questions for you to search within your soul, to search within yourself, on what God is speaking to you this morning. This is a very challenging scripture, 1 Corinthians 11, 17 to 34. The background of it is that uh, Paul is addressing the Corinthian church. It's a letter written to the Corinthians. There are lots of issues going on in the church. It's not just here in the 21st century where there are issues. There have always been issues in the church since the first century. Right from the beginning of Corinthians 1, there is division within the church. Some are saying, I follow Paul. Some are saying, I follow Apollos. Some say, I follow Cephas. Some say, I follow Jesus. A lot of disunity within the church. Theological divisions. And not only that, There is a lot of immorality within the church. Sexual immorality, adultery. There is a son who's taken his father's wife. Believers are taking each other to court. Lots of issues in the church. But here in chapter 11... Paul is addressing about the inequality that's within the body of Christ. What used to happen is people would get together in people's houses, that's where they used to meet, and have meals together. Most likely it would be in the house of someone who's wealthy, would have a big house that would be able to accommodate a lot of people. So each person would bring his or her own food And they would have this food as well as take communion. But what was happening is, was the wealthy people had lots of food. And the poor people didn't have much. And the wealthy were eating and not sharing with the poor people. The poor people didn't have much. They were eating, they were getting drunk. They were not even... Showing compassion to the ones who didn't have. And at the same time, partake in the Lord's Supper. Defeating the purpose of why Jesus died on the cross. They were meant to have been demonstrating the love of God amongst each other. Caring for one another. Sharing what they had. But that wasn't taking place. So Paul was addressing this issue to the Corinthian church. That when you partake in the Lord's Supper, or when you get together, look to see what your fellow neighbor has. If they haven't got enough, share with them and show love and hospitality to one another. 
The purpose of this teaching this morning, church, is for us to try and understand what we need to do before we partake in the Lord's Supper. Last month, when we had communion, Jim shared with us on the purpose of why we have communion. Number one is remembrance of what Christ did for us. Remembering how Jesus died on the cross for our sins. And it's also to look with anticipation on the second coming of Jesus. Hallelujah. Amen, church. But right now we are in the now but not yet. The kingdom of God is here. But it will be fully consummated when Jesus comes again. So as we partake in the Lord's Supper, we are in the presence of God. It's a holy moment. It's a reverential moment. But it's also a joyous moment as we celebrate and anticipate the second coming of the Lord. Amen. Um, when a doctor or a nurse wants to know the physical condition of someone's heart, there are several tests that they run. One of them being history-taking. They ask you questions about your medical history and also checking your blood pressure. It gives them a guideline on the condition of your heart. And for us as fellow believers, there are also ways on how we can question ourselves for us to try and understand what the condition of our hearts is like spiritually. So in my teaching this morning, there are two areas that I'm going to look at. Number one being our relationship with God. And number two, our relationship with one another. Amen? My main focus for today is for us to have a look at verse 28. Sorry. Just get my notes. Where Paul is saying to the church, a man or woman ought to examine himself before he eats and drinks of the cup. So the focus of this teaching is on self-examination. Number one, like I said, it's our relationship with God. Do we have the PowerPoint? Thank you. What is your relationship with God like? Do you love God? This might sound like a simple question to some people to say, do I love God? Bev, how can you ask such a silly question? Of course I love God. That is why I'm here. But for other people... This can be a difficult question to answer. You know yourself where you're at, whether you love God or not. Number two, are you walking in obedience to God's word? The word of God is our guideline on how we should live our lives. If you're walking in obedience to the word of God, you do what the word says. This might sound harsh, church. But Paul, when he wrote to the Corinthians, 
he reminded them that you are fellow believers. And you need to examine yourself to, say, to see where you're at in your spiritual walk with God. You need to judge yourself. You need to be honest with yourself. Because a day will come where you'll have to stand face to face with the Lord. And you'll be asked on how you've lived your life. I'm not here to judge anyone. We're all on a journey. I'm not here to condemn anyone. But the reason why God does this is to discipline us. And he disciplines us because he loves us. For the people in this room who've got children, I'm sure when you discipline your child, it's not because you don't love them. It's because you want them to walk in the right way. You want them to be good citizens in your community, in the nation. You want them to grow up loving God. You want them to grow up serving other people, serving the kingdom and the purposes of God. That is why we discipline our children. And in the same manner, God disciplines us so that we don't have to Go where he never intended us to go. So that we can have eternal life in heaven. Amen. Amen. Search within yourself and ask yourself honestly. Do I love God? Am I walking in obedience? Are you doing the will of God? Your motives. Why do you do the things that you do? Is it because you want to bring glory and honor to God? Or is it because you want to bring glory to yourself? What is your agenda in your own personal life, in your life as a mom, dad, granddad, aunt, uncle, brother, sister, in church? What is your agenda? Is it to build the kingdom of God according to God's plan and God's purposes, according to God's vision? Or is it because we are doing what we think church should be built? Search yourself within your heart where your motives are. This is God's church. And God will build his church. We have to align ourselves with the plan and purposes and will of God and not our own motives. Amen? Are we walking in purity? Are we walking in holiness? It's only you who can answer those questions. It's between you and God. Matthew twenty two thirty seven. when Jesus was asked by the scribes what the greatest commandment was, Jesus replied, love the Lord your God with all of your heart and with all of your soul and with all of your mind. Are we loving God with our minds? Are we loving God with our souls? Are we loving God with all that we are? John 14, 15 says, if you love me, you will obey what I command. So if we love God, we will obey his commandments. We will obey his word, which is the written word of God. We will obey this book if we love God. 
Sometimes it's not easy to do this. But we have the Holy Spirit in us if you are a child of God. And the Holy Spirit helps us to do what God wants us to do. Amen? Number two, the second question to ask yourself as you examine your heart, as you examine yourself, is your relationship with others. Do you love your neighbor? And when I say neighbor, neighbor is anyone in your life. Neighbor is anyone who comes into contact with you. Do we love one another, church? Is there someone you need to forgive? I'm just pausing so that you can reflect on these questions. Do you love your neighbor? Do you go the extra mile to help your neighbor? The Corinthians were not demonstrating any love for their neighbor. They were not sharing They were not loving. God is good, church. All the time, all the time, God is good. And if we love our neighbors, we will be patient with one another, won't we? We will be kind to each other. We will be gracious to one another. The same grace that God gives us is the same grace that we should extend to one another. The same love that we received from God is the same love that we should extend to one another. Forgiveness. That's a big one, isn't it? That's a challenging one. An issue of forgiveness. By forgiving someone, you're not saying what you did was right. You're not saying the way you treated me was right. But it's a choice. Forgiveness is a choice. Make a choice to say, I'm going to forgive. Why? Because God forgave me. Jesus forgave each and every one of us of our sins, church. Lay it all down on Jesus' feet and say, I cannot carry this burden on my own. I'm choosing to give it to you, Lord. For you to deal with this issue. But meanwhile, free yourself of being entangled in the sin of unforgiveness. Don't put yourself in bondage because of unforgiveness, church. We've all been hurt. We have all been hurt. We've been wounded in this church unmet expectations, false hopes, false promises. We've all been hurt. But today, before you come and take the Lord's Supper, choose to forgive. Let God deal with the issue. But meanwhile, surrender it all to him. And say, Lord, I choose to forgive this person. 
Be it someone here in church or at home, at work. It's only you who knows whom you need to forgive. Or perhaps you're thinking, well, I haven't got anyone to forgive. I've forgiven everyone. That's fine. But you can still pray and ask God to show you if there's anyone whom you haven't forgiven in your life. Romans 13.8 says, Let no debt remain outstanding except continuing debt to love one another. For he who loves his fellow man has fulfilled the law. So it's a continuing debt, it says, to love. So we need to continue to love regardless. Regardless of what has happened in your life, we need to continue to love. Colossians 3.13 says, Bear with one another and forgive whatever grievances you may have against one another. Forgive as the Lord forgave you. Jesus forgave us of of our sins, of our wrongdoing. So why is it so hard for us to forgive other people? How many mistakes have we done, church? And we continue. But today, choose to forgive. Choose to forgive and say, Lord, I'm ready for the next season. Don't enter into the next season of what God has for us here as a church with unforgiveness. So, number one, examine your relationship with God. Number two, examine your relationship with other people. So if you get to this point and you do realize that, yes, I do have issues, what do I do? Repentance. Repentance, church. The Greek word for I repent is metanoeo. It means I have changed my mind. It's a verb, meaning it's, it demands an action. It's not enough to just say I have changed my mind and not acting upon that decision. It demands action. It demands you actually doing something about your repentance. A few weeks ago, Jean came and, Jean Newman, if you don't know Jean Newman, she's a wonderful woman of God. She's a mature woman in the faith. She's been part of this church for over 40 years. I hope you don't mind me saying this, Jean, but I, I see Jean as my spiritual mother. I've never told her this. But there you go, Jean. But the Lord gave Jean a word that we need to repent of historical sin. We need to repent of our own sin in our lives, in our own personal lives. And I know a lot of people went away probably feeling condemned, probably blaming themselves, probably thinking, what have I done wrong? Why is Jin saying what she's saying? But God speaks. He speaks to different people. And when someone has been given a word by God, it's important to discharge it to the church. Many times in the Old Testament, 
People of God have been rebellious. But God is a merciful God. He's full of compassion. He's very patient with us. And whenever he spoke to to his prophets or anyone that he gave a word to, to discharge to the people of God, when they acted upon that word, God had mercy on them and fulfilled the plans and purposes that he had for them. We don't know what plans God has for us here as a church. But one thing I know is that they're good. God has good plans for this church, for Waypoint Church. Amen? God has great plans, church. Do you believe it? Do you believe God has good plans for us? But we need to be obedient to his word. Second Chronicles 30 verse 9. Hezekiah is calling upon the people of God to come together so that they can have Passover together. And he's even called upon the kings, um, very influential people within the community to come so that they can partake in the Lord's Supper. And the the king writes a letter to invite people to come to partake in the Lord's Supper. And here in 2 Chronicles 30 verse 9, part of what the king wrote says, If you return to the Lord, then your brothers and your children will be shown compassion by their captors and will come back to this land. For the Lord your God is gracious and compassionate. He will not turn his face from you if you return to him. Amen. Lamentations 3.40 says, Let us examine our ways and test them. Let us return to the Lord. This teaching this morning might sound like it's a basic, simple teaching. And maybe someone is thinking, is this what I've come here for today? But I'll tell you what, it's the basics of the fundamentals of Christian faith. Love God, love people. Repentance. Let's not try and complicate the gospel because the gospel is simple. This is why many people do not understand it, or that's why many people do not accept it. It's because it's simple. Educated people cannot understand the gospel. Some educated, not everyone, some. They cannot understand the gospel, the mysteries. This book is a mystery. What's written in here is a mystery. And it's only God who can reveal it to you. But if you open your heart and you're willing to accept what the Lord says, then it's an exciting journey to be on, church. Amen. Amen. The band is going to come up in a moment. And we're going to pause and reflect on this word. Paul mentioned that because the Corinthians were taking part in the communion in an unworthy manner, there was no reverence for the supper. There was no humility. They were just taking it in a haphazard way, getting drunk. not concerned about the welfare of a fellow neighbor. Paul says some people got sick. Some people were weak. Are you coming up, band? Thank you. (laughs) And some people died. That's how serious... The communion is. 
By the way, if anyone is unwell in here, please, I'm not saying it's because you took the Lord's Supper in a wrong manner. But Paul was stressing the importance of communion. It's out of love that God sacrificed his one and only son for us. There is joy in partaking the Lord's Supper as we anticipate the second coming of Jesus. Amen? Because we are going to carry on with taking the Lord's Supper until Jesus returns. It says that in the scripture, that we will continue partaking in in the Lord's Supper. Come, church. If you are a child of God, you are welcome to the Lord's Supper. Come. Come, let us partake in the body of Christ. Let us reflect on these two areas, love of God, love for one another, and repentance. Be honest with yourself and ask God to reveal to you the condition of your heart.
Thank you, band. Shortly, Kevin will be coming to lead us in communion. But before we do that, let us pray. Our Heavenly Father, we come before you this morning. We exalt your name, we glorify your name, we honor your name. Holy Spirit, we thank you that you're here with us. We thank you, Holy Spirit, that you are here with us in this moment. Thank you, Father, for your son, Jesus. Thank you for the price that Jesus paid for us. The horrific death on the cross, the beatings, the nailing on the cross, the pain for us. We thank you, Lord. Father, you loved us first before we loved you. We thank you, Lord. May we never take this for granted, Lord. May we never take this holy moment of communion for granted, Lord. Help us, O Lord, to live lives that are worthy of honor to you and to you alone, O God Almighty. Search our hearts. As the psalmist said, search me, O God, and see if there's any iniquity in me. Search our hearts, Lord. We come before your presence in repentance, Lord. Forgive us of our sins. For your word says you hear the cries of your children. And we are your children. We are your people. Lord, may you bring healing, emotional healing, spiritual healing, physical healing into people's lives and bodies. Mend us, O Lord. Mend our broken hearts. Mend the dreams that have been shattered in other people's lives. Bring those dreams back together, Lord. The unmet expectations, oh Father God, the false hopes and false promises. Do what only you can do, Lord. Mend us, heal us. Thanking you in advance for the transformation that is taking place right now. We give ourselves to you. We are empty, we are broken vessels. We have nothing to give to you, Lord, apart from our praise and adoration. And receive it, O Lamb of God. Thank you. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Father. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thank you, Kevin. Thank you, Beth. You know... That's not an easy passage to speak on. And it's one that's been on my heart, I think, over the last few months. And I think Bev did it fantastically. And I think there's a message for us in there. Do you know, yesterday I was up at, um, bizarrely, um, 20 to 6 yesterday morning on the hunt for diesel. And it occurred to me while I was waiting, do we go on the hunt for God in the same way? Do we prepare our hearts in the same way? as we prepare 
our cars for a long journey? I don't think we do. Oh, I don't always. But we're going to come to the table now. It's an invitation to a table. It's not a right, it's a privilege. And it's a privilege of being a child of God. And as we need to sort of reflect on our hearts and our motives, our relationship with God and our relationship with each other, as Bev has already prayed, I already had it marked here in my Bible, Psalm 139. If I can just find it, here we are. Search me, O God, and know my heart. Test me and know my anxious thoughts. Point out anything in me that offends you and lead me along the path of everlasting life. I think that's what we need to pray. So let's just pray now as we come before God. Father, we just recognize you that you are the pure, holy, righteous, awesome God that sits high over all. You are the creator God who flung the stars in the sky, created the mountains and the seas. But you're also a personal God who comes and speaks to us, Lord. Father, we just recognize you and give thanks and glory for all you are and all you've done, Lord, for us. We recognize that we are sinners. We're imperfect. We're failing. We make mistakes. We don't always treat you with the respect that you deserve, Lord. And Father, we don't always care for each other as we should. Father, I pray that you would test our hearts. You would highlight those areas which we need to work on. You would speak into our lives. So that, Lord, when we come to your table, we can do it with the right heart, with the right relationships. Father, we seek your forgiveness for what we have done wrong whether that's individually or corporately as a church, Lord. Father, we're aware that we're failing. Father, we just ask you as the potter, as it says in Isaiah 64, you're the potter, Lord, and you will just mold us into the people and the church you would have us be, Lord. So, Father, as we come to your table now, we just do it aware of our own shortcomings, Lord. Amen. Psalm 116 says, What can I offer the Lord for all he has done for me? I will lift up the cup of salvation and praise the Lord's name for saving me. I will keep my promises to the Lord in the presence of all his people. I will lift up the cup of salvation and praise the name of the Lord forever. That's what we, we need to do. We have bread and we have wine. At the, last, at the uh, Passover supper, the last supper they had, it was a celebration of what God had done for the people in Egypt. But then Jesus drops a bit of a bombshell. He says, this is my body broken for you. Do this in remembrance of me. The disciples probably had no idea what he was talking about at that stage. But we know it was his body broken on the tree. Let's take the bread together and remember what Christ did for us. And then Jesus said something else that was probably odd to them. This is my blood shed for you for the forgiveness of sins. 
the cup of the new covenant sealed by my blood. The blood shed by which he brought us and brought us into his church. So let's drink together. Bev's reminded us this is not to be taken lightly. It is a power and responsibility associated with it. Let's just pray. Father, we thank you for the sacrifice of your Son, our Lord Jesus Christ, on the cross. His willingness to go, to be scourged, to be flogged, to be beaten to be humiliated, to have nails driven through his hands and his feet, Lord, to be hung up with the outcasts of society, with the criminals, Father, to have a spear put in his side. But, Father, he did it so that we could be restored to you, that we could be in relationship with you, that he could take our sins on him, Lord, for all for the physical pain he was in, Lord. It just occurs to me that perhaps it's the spiritual separation from you that caused him the most pain, Lord. But, Father, we just thank you for him. And, Father, I just pray that we can go out into our broken world and show people some of the Christ-like qualities that you, your Son showed for us, Lord, that we might help our broken world we might help those who are displaced we might help those who are refugees we might help those who are struggling we might help those who have family problems or employment problems or mental health problems or whatever it is lord i pray that we might be of use to those we come in contact with lord so father as we go out from this place we just pray that we'll do it in your power in your might and with your grace and love Lord Amen